I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collard here, along with Star Tribune columnist, former Minnesota Vikings beat reporter, once known by the hashtag Stribvikes, Chip Scoggins. What is up, Chip? I love Stribvikes. <laughs> That's like your favorite thing, right? It really will never get old. Yeah. It will not because it was the earliest days of Twitter and your company was saying, you and Judd, you guys got to get out there and you got to you got to mm-hmm. hashtag stuff and you got to give all these short bursts of updates and the things that we used to think about social media. And so the fact that the tweets are still hanging around, if you search <laughs> hashtag strip bikes, it never stops being funny. They are so bad. So this would have been probably. 2000 and would have been the eight season or seven, probably eight, right? I think it was our second year together or maybe our first year, but whatever the, I don't want to say it was the first year of Twitter, but it was like still kind of this novelty. Like, what is this thing? Like, what, what do we do with this? You know, it's like a new toy. And I still remember Judd and I sitting outside Gage Hall. That's where all, that's where they used to stay, the players in the dorm there. And, and on reporting day, and it would be like, you know, random player you know anthony herrera has (laughs) and it you know we would get these responses from people who were were on twitter like this is great keep it up so of course that was like you know feeding red meat to alliance with me and just like so then we went overboard with but then we were told you gotta have strip bikes hashtag strip bikes in there with all your tweets so we can whatever you call uh have them all in one place and they can have it in you know like a file running so um we were idiots (laughs) <laughs> uh, I, I will. And it, it was just boring, most mundane tweets that had no. Uh, but people liked it, you know. I mean, it was. Uh, but it was it was trial and error. I would say with us sending out tweets, we didn't really know where it was going, who was getting it, or. I did have a friend, a close friend of mine, who said, "I got to be honest with you. I had to turn it off. I had to stop following you guys because you're driving me crazy." <laughs> <It was> so, <laughs> there were so many of them. 
So, uh, yeah, I just searched it, and I mean, it goes, it goes back, it goes back like away. Two thousand eight. Yeah, yeah there, there are there are thousands. Uh, yeah, I don't know how many. Let's see. Well, there is one from 2018, me making fun of you. Oh, that's uh, right. Strip bikes. But, yes, there there are many, 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 many. Well, imagine Judd. I mean, as people know Judd, you know, given this new invention, this new toy to, to blast out Vikings news, um, to say we were a little over the top was probably <laughs> putting it kindly. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah. Well, my favorite is anytime John David Booty shows up. Oh, uh, that's oh my 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 favorite John David Booty. So, so we always stayed out away from our hotel was away from the campus, you know. And there was an Applebee's there that we pretty much shut down every night. But um, so John David and another player, I can't remember who it was, Lyman came in there and like saw me and Judd. And it was just, the look on his face was like, oh my god, not. I deal with you two like all day long on campus and I have to come here and see you again. But um, the John David Booty era, that was how long he was here. What? Two years. I think it was two. Yeah. What a, yeah. what a time. Did he time. ever, did he ever take a snap in an NFL game? No, no, he did not. In fact, you can't even click on his name on football reference because he did not ever take a snap in an NFL. Game. Did he go to another team after he left here? Did he get, was he part of, did he get released? I, or I'm going to look. This is the uh, content everyone needs. This, this is me. the rabbit hole. This is how you wind up in rabbit holes, holes, right? <laughs> yeah. John David Booty rabbit hole. <laughs> Thank, uh, you, said, you said before you came on here, you are going to surprise me. I surprised you. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, so, yes, he did go to the Tennessee Titans and Houston Texans and did spend some time as okay. a practice squad member of those squads, John David okay. Booty. So, yeah. uh, John David Booty is a lesson in the developmental quarterback that basically it's the every once in a while someone gets insanely lucky with Tom Brady or Dak Prescott or Kirk Cousins as a later round pick. But most of the time, their most value that they ever bring you is training camp fun for fans yeah. to watch and debate them. <laughs> and that's what's your philosophy on that? Because I always thought, you know, if you're an NFL team, Take a quarterback every draft, sixth, seventh round. Um, what the hey? If it works out, great. If it doesn't, it's a sixth or seventh round pick, and you have somebody to run a scout team or practice squad or whatever. And I think the Vikings went through a phase where basically they were taking a, a guy, maybe not every draft, but you know, in those later rounds. And you know, what what are the odds that any sixth or seventh round pick pans out? So if it happened to be a quarterback, you know, which. Odds are it's very slim, obviously, but you never know. You know, you might get a, a backup out of it. So, I w- yeah, please. I would say that my philosophy on it would be that is it better than taking a long sapper? Is it better than, <laughs> taking, right, like a punter, a kicker, uh, a, you know, a safety who runs a – But even a linebacker, right? right? Yeah. I mean, why not? I mean, if you're just taking guys that you don't know if they're going to pan out anyways, I would, you know. They're almost all writing, uh, lighting picks on fire no matter what. But, sure. I mean, if you ended up – your point is, I think, exactly correct, that if you ended up with even an average backup quarterback who gave you 
two games or three games in his career where he came in and won. Yeah. Let's say I'm looking through the late picks. Let's say you drafted Bruce Gradkowski and he becomes your backup quarterback or Ryan Fitzpatrick or Matt Castle, mm-hmm. and they become backup quarterbacks who have to come in for four games and win you two of them. Is that worth more than a special teams or practice squad linebacker? Yeah. I mean, the linebackers is a great example because, I mean, those guys almost never become something. Or the Correct. Cor- or the corners who run way too slow to be you know, top picks or anything like that. Receivers even in the seventh round. We've seen that from Dylan Mitchell and Stacey Coley. I mean, mm-hmm. the answer is yes, you might as well take Nate Stanley because if he ever plays in a single game, exactly. it's worth mo- almost everything. Everybody. Totally. Yeah, exactly. And 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 is Nate Stanley your backup this year if you're Mike Zimmer? I think it's going to be Jake Browning, but I don't know. Yeah. Where did they take Jake Browning? Was he undrafted? Or was he? he was, yeah, he was undrafted. Or it's going to be Davis Mills or Kellen Mond. I don't know. I think that's that's where I say don't bother though. For me, it's don't bother if it's the. The third, it's got to be past, if it's past the second, like third to fifth, where you can get real players, those guys almost never work out unless you get stupid, stupid lucky like Russell Wilson or something. Correct. Yeah, and and are you really going to find your franchise guy? No, it's happened. There's been cases, obviously, Tom Brady, but in the fourth round, probably not. If If you're looking for your franchise guy, he needs to be. You know, obviously first round, which is why we're going to see, what, five quarterbacks taken in the top ten picks next week? Yes, and yes. maybe maybe even six in the first round. We'll see if someone is high. Who's, this, who's the six? Kyle Trask is likely to be. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, you never know. But I think, I think by and large, I think most people think there's going to be five in the top ten picks, right? All those yes. gone. Which um, I think that's good news for the Vikings, right? It'd be interesting to see if they were – how fun would it be if they were ultra aggressive and went up and tried to get one of those guys, which I don't, you know, obviously not very likely, but, um, but I do think having the run on those, I think there'll be uh, a number of wide receivers taken. So that left tackle or guard is going to be there for him, Matthew, finally. Right. And then Zim's going to say, I need that rush in over there. <laughs> the, uh, there are good corners in the middle of the first round. So I'm just saying that uh, that is, that is a thing, but you know, your point though, if, if one of those quarterbacks drops, this is the situation that, to be honest with you, for drama purposes, I'm really hoping for. Because sure. let's say Mac Jones is not taken in the top 10. And then you're looking at the Vikings going, hey, guys, like, are, are you mm-hmm. interested? Do you want Mac Jones? I mean, after a lot of the hype from him, his college career, even the comparisons, I don't really necessarily agree that he's like Kirk Cousins, but if you had Kirk Cousins for $10 million, he's probably really good for you, right? So yeah. uh, with Cousins' situation, with his cap and everything, I mean, if they had Mac Jones on the board and they draft Quiddy Pay or something, and then the Patriots yeah. take Mac Jones, <laughs> you go, oh, no, what did we just yeah. do? Yeah, yeah, and I mean, because the thing is, and, and the Packers have done this, you know, why put off a decision that you're going to have to do eventually? And, um, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world to have a quarterback sit for a year. If if this is, you know, if you feel like you can, if you're in position to go get a guy that you feel like is your franchise guy going forward, have him sit for a year. It's not the worst idea in the world. But um, I don't know that this regime views it that way because I feel like both Spielman and Zimmer – view this as we better win now mode um, 
because I, we know the, the, the Wilfs are very patient, obviously, owners, and I think they do like and respect uh, the, the Zimmer-Spielman tandem. But there has to be some urgency this year to get to the playoffs and not have kind of the, the massive ebbs and flows that, that we've seen. And so that first-round pick, I think they probably looked at as we need to use it on somebody that's going to help right now. And so, you know, why it's fun for drama and fun to speculate. I think they're probably looking at it as, you know, I know, I know people are saying rush in, but to me, you have to address this offensive line. First, second pick. I mean, I'm sorry. You've, I don't know if your defense is completely fixed, but it's a long ways towards being fixed with all the moves that they made and guys coming back. And so now you have to turn your attention to the offensive line and, because this needs to be a playoff team this year. I really do. I, 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 I'm i not going to be surprised if it's not, if there's a complete regime change at the end of this. The thing with uh, drafting an offensive lineman is just how hard it is for offensive linemen to step right in and be great. And, and and so that's that's the thing about when we talk about, oh, well, they're in win-now mode and everything else. It really is free agency where you can update your team and make them better as they have with Delvin Tomlinson. And, and even Patrick Peterson, if he's just okay, that's still way better than what they had. Sure. It's, it's just that you know if you were a gambling person, for example – and they set the line at eight and a half, which is where it is for the Vikings right now. And then I told you who they drafted. Oh, they got Quiddy Pay, and they got your guy from Tennessee, Josh Palmer, is a nice little wide receiver. Mm-hmm. You know, are you changing your bet at that point? I mean, like, no, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't change any bet that I made before the draft to after the draft. No, I agree because um, any, let's say you, whatever lineman you draft, you know, Kristen Darrison, Darisaw, whoever. I mean, Brian O'Neill, we think he's a high-level tackle right now. He went through struggles, right? I mean, we think Bradbury's the answer? That's a first-round pick. And so just because you're getting a guy in the first round, and and I'm guilty of it too, and I think a lot of people are, it's like, just get a first-round pick and then you're you're good. You know, you you plug and play. Well, they're going to have struggles. And – you know, with Cleveland, his situation is obviously different without the offseason and really just kind of things thrown together on the fly. And more inclined to give him a little bit of a pass on, you know, his development. But Matthew, they may not have – these players may not get on the field until training camp this year. I mean, it came out today that players are not going to do the in-person offseason stuff. And so um, it may be the same situation. So. Yes, I agree. I don't know that if they take a first-round pick that we can just say the offensive or offensive tackle that the offensive line is fixed now because there's going to be growing pains. But it still have to be a step up from what they had, right? I mean, and so um, I, because right now, who is your left tackle? You think it's going to be Brian O'Neill? Well, that see, that's the tough part about making a step forward from where they were because Rashad, or, uh, Riley Reef played really well last year. I mean, Correct. he was uh, one of the better uh, tackles in terms of pressure rate allowed in the entire NFL. So now you bring back Rashad Hill, I think, as an insurance policy if the other guy isn't ready to step in. But there's a situation, Chip, where this is actually worse because the rookie steps yeah. in and is not as good as Riley Reef, and you still end up with the guard situation, which is why if they are desperate this year to fix this in the draft, I think you have to take someone like Elijah Vera Tucker or Rashad Slater yeah. 
Rashawn Slater who can play guard at first. And then you're right that any guard is going to be better than Dakota Dozier was last year. And that's the thing. I mean, the Vera Tucker kid from USC, I, I think probably would make sense because we don't know like what their thinking is behind the scenes. Is it going to be Brian O'Neill? Are they going to move Cleveland, kick him out there or keep him at guard? And so without knowing how they view how they're going to do the left tackles position, my guess is if I had to put money on it, I, I probably would say they'll probably move uh, Brian O'Neill over there and then put Rashad Hill or whoever you want. Because um, there's, there's probably going to still be some um, veteran casualties because they make too much money, right, after the draft. Um, and so you may be able to find a a guy who still has some pretty good tread on his tires but just made too much money for the team at, at right tackle. And then and then you could plug that. Then you could take, you know, maybe a Vera Tucker, whoever your highest rated guard is on your board at that first round and put him in there, and that's obviously going to be an upgrade. And, and, and that then your line is better. But you're right. I mean, the, the Riley – Riley Reef, I mean, you could make an argument. He was their best lineman last year. Mm-hmm. Some might say Brian O'Neill, but Reef obviously had a, you know, big time bounce back season, and so you weakened your line there by not bringing him back. Um, and maybe he didn't want to come back, obviously, after what happened previously. But um, but if you're Kirk Cousins and you and you see this off season, don't you think you're privately saying, hello? <laughs> The defense is great. It's looking good over there. You're getting better there, but you know where, where's the help coming on the offensive line? I have gone through this thought many times, Chip, where I'm like, I wonder what Kirk, you know, says says in the home privately about <laughs> some of the things that they've done. Because when they traded Stephon Diggs, he did an interview and he sounded pretty down about that uh, naturally. I mean, it's not yeah. lost on Kirk Cousins how good Stephon Diggs was. So then they get incredibly lucky and land Justin Jefferson. He does the thing that almost nobody does, which has become an instant superstar. And so, okay, you, you know, you're happy again. But at the same time, Adam Thielen's out for one game because of COVID. And you're like, okay, Chad Beebe, let's go, buddy. And, you know, he they beat the Panthers with those two guys, yeah. with B.C. Johnson and Chad Beebe. But uh, it's, it's almost like, you know, he's got a great running back and he's had two great receivers and good tight ends. And there's not a whole lot to complain about there. So it's a good situation overall. But I wonder if he scratches his head just as much as us going, do you guys not realize it's the guard who's giving up the pressure all yeah. the time? Like, I even think if Rashad Hill was their left tackle last year, it's probably okay because teams were just attacking the guards all the time. I mean, you'd look at the third down tape and you would just see like, here, here's another blitz right up the middle because they know these guys can't handle it. And tell me how that's better right now than it was then as we go into the draft. Well, you know, Cousins is no dummy, right? He, I mean, he knows that how much pressure he got just right up the gut and where, how many times it were just, the pocket just collapsed right in his face and he's, you know, he's backpedaling and ducking and doing all this because his interior just didn't hold up against the pass rush. And so, and then he sees, they bring back, you know, the left guard and there's no, been no upgrades um, yet in free agency. And, and and obviously they made defensive priority in, in free agency, but yeah, I mean, he would, I think it's probably human nature for him to think, Okay, are they going to do anything here to fix, you know, the the weak area? And and so because that's, you know, he had a good year, but I'm sure in his mind he, he's saying, if we can shore up that interior pass rush and give me more time, 
then this offense can become even better. And that's, that's the one thing with, with, with Zimmer. Every time I hear him talk about, you know, the personnels are at, and he's, it's almost like, yeah, that offense, they're good. We're good. We're good there. They, they, you know, they had a really good year. It's like, they had a good year. It wasn't a great year. Now I know they finished top 10 in yards, but I think points they were what, 12? 11th. Yeah. 11th. Okay. 11th. So you're not top 10 in scoring, and that's all that I don't care about yards. I mean, it, well, yards are nice. I don't say I don't care about them, but it's more about points, right? I mean, that's where you want to be. So you're not top 10 in points. So it wasn't a spectacular year. It wasn't like this is, you know, an offense that like no other. Now you have really good skill position guys, but you have to be better. I mean, there's there's still room to get a lot better with that offense. And um, as, as great as individual seasons that Jefferson and, and Cook had and, and Thielen and catching touchdowns, I mean, there's still more to get from this offense if you can shore up that. Um, I, and I think Cousins can be better if you give him more time and more, because he is the, I mean, we all know it. he's not Houdini back there. And so he's going to need more, you know, structure, more things to be um, not perfect, but as, as close to, you know, uh, perfect as you can get him. And he's going to put up even better numbers. So I'm sure, I mean, he's probably like a little puzzled by what the plan is if they haven't told him. Now, there are other things that I had planned to talk to you about, but let me just follow up on this with one more question and a comment that you were actually dropping back and ducking in the pocket as you were saying that, which is funny. Yeah. Like, I, like, <laughs> I, like people who are listening can't see you. I can. And you were like ducking in the pocket and moving around. So, uh, which is more than Kirk Cousins has done. Hey, oh, so, okay. If you, but if, if you're Kirk and you get to the end of this year, let's just say that you go 10 and seven. So, I think this is our new average year is 10 and seven and you lose in the playoffs because you face a good defense and just kind of go along the same track we've been going on since Kirk Cousins has got here. Do you wonder if Kirk Cousins would not sign a contract extension if they came to him? I've had this thought. I've had this thought that I'm not sure that he would, that he would want to stay here forever after if Mike Zimmer remains the coach and continues to want to just run the ball and not give him any guards. Yeah. Money though. I mean, money is the number one driver and is, you know, could he get the kind of money he would get here elsewhere? Um, you know, let's not forget. He's got pretty good receiving targets, you know, and I know the line is, is the thing, but you know, he's surrounded by some pretty good talent. Um, you know, the other thing that I always say that people don't really factor in is, you know, um, do people like living here, their family comfortable, are they comfortable with the organization? Those are things that all we, we never know about, you know, but, you know, if they're going to keep paying them that kind of salary, it'd be hard to walk away from that if he's not going to get the same thing somewhere else. And, and, and we all know everybody, you know, you can throw out all these factors, but at the end of the day, in professional sports, particularly NFL Number one criteria is how much money you're going to get, and most guys are going to take the most money. Yeah, no, I do. I mean, I do agree. They should. Yeah, they should yeah. because they have such a finite earning uh, window that absolutely take the most money you can get. Although Kirk, for his career, is pushing 200 bills. By I know. The way. That's insane. But I agree. I agree. It's very clear the fact that he doesn't want to restructure his contract or whatever and the way he fought for his money. And, again, not disparaging that because I would fight for my money. I want sure. you to get more from the strip, Chip. But, um, so, so I, <laughs> Are you I, listening, bosses? Yeah. <laughs> So, so I, I keep that consistent. I want you yeah. listening to make more money and everybody else too, and, and get what you're worth. And quarterbacks are worth a lot of money. But I, I do also think that 
a quarterback in the NFL has kind of a number once you clear a certain bar, so you are going to get paid. And I just wonder about after this year, when he's looking at that, okay, $45 million contract, which is untenable, or salary yeah. cap hit, which is untenable, if he told them, I'm sorry, guys, it just seems like you don't really love me here. Like, you like me, but you don't really love me. And if you're keeping Zimmer, maybe I want to go to a team that's just going to let me throw all over the place just just to see how it works out, so trade me. I, I just wonder if if he gets sacked 50 times, yeah. pressured all the time, if it's the same sort of underachieving, or maybe he could have done more if this, 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 and this. I just I wonder how that wears on him, because even me talking about it, it gets <laughs> talking about it well i'm sure because um here's the thing who's going to get the most criticism in that it's not going to be the offensive line right it's always him yeah right it's it's going to be him and some and and let's be honest a lot of us deserve too not all of it but quarterback's going to get it and particularly him because of his salary but you do wonder if it almost under the scenario you laid out if it wouldn't be a mutual you know what let's just both go our different ways here tried had some, you know, some success, not what we thought it was going to be. We're going to go, you know, find another, you know, a young quarterback in the draft or what, whatever, and, and maybe Kirk finds, a, you know, another team that can, that he feels like can, you know, pay him what he wants and then also be in it because he's going to be in a win. You know, he's he has that mindset of, hey, I only got a few more years left to play. i got to find the best situation for me in terms of winning too. So um, it will be interesting to see. Let's say they, they are a playoff team, but it's one and done again. Would that be enough for the Wills to keep going forward? Hmm. I guess it depends on how it looks. You know, you have a bad injury and it caused, but if it's, you know, if all things being equal, if it's just they're good enough to be a playoff team, but not really a contender and they lose again, is, is that going to be enough to satisfy the ownership, both for the GM, both the GM, the head coach, and the quarterback? I don't know. I don't know. It might be the temperature will be hot, I think, in uh, around town. Yeah, I and the, I don't know either to tell you the truth. Like I I've thought about this myself even readjusting for 17 games. It's like where is the bar? Where is yeah. the bar this year? I think that if I'm them, the bar is it, it it's got to be more than just a wild card weekend win. I I think if you set it there, I, that's pretty safe. Yeah, I do too. Uh, but it's always, you know, you know, cuz they can spin it how, you know, you know how GMs and coaches can spin it. Ah, we're just, you know, we're right there and it's just you know, if we just had a couple things happen, but um you can do that every year. And so, I, I think anything shy of that, I, I just think we're, the will there's going to be such pressure to to, you know, kind of move on that this thing has been here for so long, it's time for a change. I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
Hey everyone, we have a new special offer to tell you about with our friends at Symbol. If you go to Symbol.app, that's S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot A-P-P, and sign up as a first-time user with a $20 deposit into Symbol using the promo code PURPLE, you will receive six months free of premium Purple Insider written content at purpleinsider.substack.com. So go to Symbol.app. Deposit $20 if you're a first-time user, six months free of our premium written content at Purple Insider. If you are not familiar yet with Symbol, it is a new sports marketplace where you can trade shares of professional teams like stocks. So as we are fully into draft season, you're going to want to get in now with your team before their stock rises. Here's how it works. You buy stock of teams, and when your teams win, you earn cash payouts that are instantly deposited. So check it out, Symbol.app. Follow them on Twitter at Symbol Exchange, and check out the marketplace for sports. I, I also wonder, too, if in those meetings, if you're Spielman and Zimmer, and, and this ties into our kind of Mac Jones discussion, if those guys would say, well, if only, you know, that quarterback had worked out, or if he was, if he was only a little bit better, or if we only, we weren't paying him more, which you could see being a Mike Zimmer take, if we only weren't well, paying so much money, right? Like, doesn't it feel like Kirk can blame Zimmer and Zimmer can blame Kirk. And the thing you always hear from championship teams is that the head coach and the quarterback are so tied together, right? And it yeah. just feels like the exact opposite with this relationship. It feels like someone can't stay. Well, but if I'm the owners and they and they brought that to me, I'd be like, no, wait a second. You told us this was the missing piece. Like you can't this was your idea, not ours. And so you can't make it this is your idea and this is gonna put this player's gonna put us over top and you come back and say, Well, why are we paying too much money? This 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 is saying I mean, that's not gonna fly. You know, I think all three of those are tied together, those three guys. I think it's quarterback, coach, and GM. Um, and this was their this was their big experiment. Maybe experiment's not the right word, but this is this was the last piece for this regime to get over the top. And so um whether, you know, whatever their relationship with Zimmer and, and, and Cousins is, I think they're tied together, personally. Um I I would be surprised if ownership allowed, you know, like Spielman and Zimmer to, to stay and say, Okay, now let's go try get a new quarterback and you guys build around this new quarterback. Hey, that one would surprise me. I would be surprised too. I guess I just spend a lot of time thinking about how Mike, <laughs> Mike Zimmer is a really good coach and Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback. And yet the, the marriage between them is almost like, I mean, this is sleeping in different beds. It's, at, it's sleeping yeah. in different rooms, right? Because uh, I can understand how if the wife rolls around a lot in, in her sleep. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's just like you're living in the same house, but you don't talk to each other. It doesn't yeah. seem like. I mean, you, you almost never hear, even after games, Zimmer say too much about Kirk or Kirk say too much about Zimmer. It's just sort of been this icy relationship the whole time and Zimmer wants to run the ball all the time and if you're Kirk you can't really come out and say come on man we got to throw on first down sometimes yeah then the media is going to jump all over you and everything right so it's just always been this very uncomfortable kind of setup really even since Kirk got here is that how much do you do you attribute that to just being hey you have a defensive head coach who's not I mean every when you talk about having the marriage and you're in it's typically because it's an offensive guy who either play position or coach position being with the quarterback. And so they're in the room together all day long. 
how much time does Zimmer spend with Cousins in the facility? I'm sure there's some, but not like a, an offensive head coach would be. So do you think just by definition that there's that kind of wall there? It, I think it shouldn't be because, I mean, Belichick and Brady, until the very end, maybe they were butting sure. heads a little bit. But, I mean, those two were very much tied together. And Belichick even talked about how every week they would get together and they would watch film and Belichick would yeah. go through what the defense was going to try to do to Tom Brady and they would have this big meeting and, and stuff like that. So I think as a defense and, – and actually with Zimmer – he was very close with Teddy and he became close with Sam Bradford and did the same thing for Bradford before week one of 2017, where they got together. Bradford told me that, that they got together and watched film and, and that helped him uh, in that g- crazy good week one game. But we've never heard any sappy stories about Zimmer yeah. and cousins. Remember in training camp, the one day Sam Bradford jumped on Zimmer and knocked him over. We were worried his eye was going to pop out or whatever. <laughs> like he's had these moments with quarterbacks. It's just not, not really been with Kirk. I think the only one was uh, maybe after the playoff win where he was like, oh, they said you couldn't do it or something. Yeah, in the locker um, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, something like that. But, oh. I mean, aside aside from that, though, we just don't really hear a whole lot about these guys. And and my, my theory on this, Chip, is that uh, the that first impressions die super hard. And the first mm-hmm. impression that Zimmer has of Kirk Cousins is – that 2018 season where they put it all on Cousins and he threw a lot of pick sixes and got a lot of strip sacks that year. And I think yeah. he's terrified of Cousins turning the ball over all the time. And I don't well, think he, that's the personality that Zimmer likes either. Well, it, it, I think it, some of it is personality, right? I mean, they just they seem like they're totally different, you know, just personalities there. And not saying you have to have identical personalities, but I just think there's – you know, there's a natural chemistry when when you have something there, and I, I don't see it there. Um, but we have to that point, and we've seen and we've heard Zimmer take some shots, right? Where wasn't uh, Cousins went on was it the radio show with with Rosen, and he said something, and or maybe after a game, and Zimmer said something he shouldn't be saying that or or whatever. So we there have been some you know subtle digs there, you know, or maybe not subtle, um, but. I also go back to, you know, from Cousins' point of view, I mean, how would you <clears> – of <throat> his years here, how many have had adequate – adequate? what would you say adequate offensive line play? Zero. I mean, z- z- zero has had adequate offensive line play. Now that now that said – Is that I because of his salary too? I mean, Zimmer's right. – I can say we're – but, but – Yes. I mean, we could talk ourselves in circles. On right. That. Right. But he could come I, back and say, well, you gave, you, you put it all on the defense. You put all your issues on defense. So right. I also think it's overstated. Like as weird as it is to say which that part's overstated. the offensive line impact on cousins. Like he's also had career high numbers. He's also yeah. had plenty of situations to win games where he didn't, that it was sure. not oh, no. the offensive yeah. line's fault. And, and that, and that I think is probably where Zimmer comes in and says, he looks back at the tape and says, okay, I know our guard broke down, but can't you make a play? And the answer is, well, not really with his skill set. Yeah, it, it's, it's become convenient to just put it all on, on, well, he, you know, for the, for the, for the cousins, you know, supporters to say, well, if he had any kind of offense line, he would be great. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I mean, he's really good at certain parts of, obviously, you know, I mean, his accuracy, his downfield throws, I mean, he has some really good strengths, um, but we've also seen in you know two minute situations where it just looked completely chaotic. You know, so in those, you know, I mean, he's also you know won a playoff game with some late throws, so it's not like he's never done it. But um, 
but it's I think people want to just see it as it's oh it's this thing or it's that thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Offensive line is terrible or cousins. Well, it's it's not that more complicated than that, right? Um, but I do think if you are going to maximize cousins, and if you you know if you upgrade the line, then you'll know for sure. I think right. You'll just say you know what we can't say the offensive line failed him, and and if it doesn't work, then then you move on. But um, you know whether whether Zimmer and him are ever going to be super close. I don't think that's going to happen. But that should not be a hurdle for them being successful, I don't think. I mean, I, I just think that's – if they're going to use that as an excuse, then it's – then just move on and start over with everyone else because it's, you know, I mean, I, I just don't think it, they have to be best friends or even have a super tight relationship because I just think he's – with you know, I know Zimmer had it with Teddy, but he's a defensive guy to focus primarily on his defense and so I don't know that he's ever going to be super close with his quarterback but the thing that goes along with that is that Zimmer is pulling the strings with the roster and that has become very that clear is, yeah that that to me is um the story of this offseason Matt I mean yes Spielman is his I guess Spielman's his boss right we say Spielman's his boss yeah I don't think so. I don't I in, th- in uh, like uh, in structure. Like if you if you put an organizational flowchart. Yeah, if you if you made a flowchart, that's what you would assume. But I think but that the moves tell us differently. I think it's Zimmer oh yeah. I mean shots. One hundred percent. I mean Zimmer went in there and said, "I'm not having another defense like this." And guess what? <laughs> they put all the resources on defense this offseason. I mean it's it's clear he has. You know, I don't know if he has control over the fifty three, but he has considerable. Uh, input on how that looks, and that to me has been eye-opening. Just the the um, and maybe it shouldn't be eye-opening because we, we've felt this all along, but it really hit home this offseason. Because I thought I thought for sure offensive line would be the number one priority this offseason, and it's it hasn't even been close to that, obviously. It really has not, and we'll see if it is on draft night. Just uh, let me make a analogy about Cousins uh, and just this situation. It's almost like if your kid was playing basketball, say, Chip, and you bought them shoes and you got them the jersey and you signed them up, and so you did everything for them, but you said you got to find your own ride to practice, and also, <laughs> also I don't really like you playing basketball. If you can, but I don't really like it. And then so like your kid is like, okay, I, I can play basketball and I will and they might be okay but they miss practices sometimes because you didn't take them and it's like the same thing with this where it's like Kirk Cousins has performed at a pretty decent level I mean a good level in terms of statistically of course over these three years and he's gotten the offense to where you can count on it being at a certain level which is good overall Mm -hmm. it's just if you gave him a ride to practice, would that help? Like, that's your guard yeah. here. And it just feels like they've wanted to say, too bad, kid. You're on your own a little bit there because you cost too much gas money for me to take you to practice all the time. But, but this is where I, 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 th- I thought about this, Matthew. Do you think in Zimmer's mind, he thinks, you know what? If I get what we get, what we got from our offense last year, and I fix our defense, we're a team that could get in the playoff and win games. 100%. Hundred percent agree. Hundred percent. Yes. He so he. That. So so he. So in his mind, he's thinking the offense is not a problem. The defense was a problem. The offense. Look what they did. They put up all these, you know, all these yards. And Justin Jefferson was historic, and Dalvin, and all this. So why can't we repeat that? 
and maybe even better because, you know, year two and, or, you know, Jefferson's year two and Cousins going to be better. And, and we'll, we'll tweak some things on the offensive line and then we'll really make a splash on defense. We'll get a lot better there. And then here we go. I, I guarantee you that's in his mind, that's what he's thinking. And it feels like miscalculating again because last year they had their top two receivers healthy the whole season. For the most part, their two tight ends healthy. The offensive line, it was not great, but it was healthy. Remember, it can actually be worse. And 2016 certainly showed us that. You know, Mm -hmm. who else was healthy? Dalvin Cook for the season and was playing at an MVP level halfway through the year. It's like this offense... Yes, it was good last year, and if it is 11th in scoring again and you end up being a top-10 defense, then yes, you can compete in the playoffs, but are we 100% sure it performs exactly the same if you don't help it at all? If you don't water the plan a little bit? like, with, yeah. <laughs> and, that's, and, and that's where you know the, the draft, it could make an impact if they find another gem. It's just that when we go through their past recent first-round draft picks, it's like, well... A lot of them either needed time and some of them didn't work out at all. Like, like yeah. Mike Hughes, for example, the guy has basically never played. So yeah. if you're, if you're saying, Hey, we'll take care of all of that, you know, in the draft, that's where I say, maybe, you know, maybe you yeah. won't. Well, and, and I think you're probably more likely right to hit on a guard than a tackle in terms of being able to play right away. Mm-hmm maybe exposing them to you know, these premier pass rushers. Although there's premier inside guys now too, obviously. And that's, as we've seen, you know, I mean, so many teams are getting pass rush and tackles. Um, but I agree. I agree. But um, this, you know, their philosophy is, and I do think their defense is obviously it was atrocious last year. I think it's going to rebound and be, look, assuming Daniel's healthy and happy with his contract and, um, everybody's, you know, Barr and Kendricks and everybody comes back to perform how we think they will, the defense could be pretty good, right? I mean, it could come back to being a Zimmer defense. I don't know, top five, I'm not saying that, but I think they'll be obviously dramatically improved. Um, but if you can just add two more starters along that line, even if it's a rookie guard, the, the kid from USC, if you move Brian O'Neill to left tackle, put that kid from USC, if you draft him at guard, I think get better guard play will help Bradbury, but I'm still, you know, I think the jury's still out there on him. And then you'd have to figure out your right tackle and maybe you can – do you think that would be Hill then? Let's see your – keep Cleveland at right guard and then either Hill or find another, you know, maybe veteran that gets uh, released, you know, that you can plug in there. That would be better. I'm not sure it would be, you know, an upper echelon line, but at least it's moving in – the right direction. It just feels like they're not tremendously far away from a lot of things, but will they get there? It's like, you're not way far away from having a decent offensive line because you've drafted. I think Bradbury will improve even more this year. The numbers from past centers say that it usually takes a couple of years for them to really get uh, to their peak. I think Cleveland be strong enough though. No, not to be great, but to be good though. I mean, to be okay, to be okay. I think he they didn't draft him to be okay. Right. Oh, totally agree. It's not a good draft pick. Like even two seasons of poor play is just, you're not a good draft pick, but can he be an average center? I think he can. Uh, It's always going to be a problem where he gets pushed back because he's just not big enough, but he's also had just such garbage next to him that that's, that's tough. And it's, it's rotating garbage too. It's not even the same two guys, but 
you've got like O'Neal is good and Cleveland, I think will improve and Bradbury. Okay. Let's say he can get to average and you feel close, but it's like they spent this off season putting so much into the defensive side and they didn't even sign their version of a Mackenzie Alexander for the offensive line. There wasn't even that guy where they got for the veteran minimum where you went, Oh, actually, you know, he could be pretty good. Like, Mason Cole's not that guy for me. I mean, maybe he will be and shock me, but I don't think he's that guy. So it's like they didn't even take runs at those guys, which I guess that's where I wonder, is there some other thing to drop that we don't know yet, like chasing after Eric Fisher or Mitchell Schwartz, who are both free agents and injured or trading for Orlando Brown? Or like, is there some other thing that I'm that I'm missing here? Because it doesn't feel like you're that far away. No, and especially like. What do you think the reaction on Vikings Twitter is going to be when they take a rush in in the first round? <laughs> uh, I don't think it's going to go over well. Yeah, I don't think so either. I don't think so either. I think anybody but Christian Dershaw or Rashawn Slater yeah. will be – or Vera Tucker too – will be a yeah. major disappointment. Um, Rashawn Slater is probably going to be gone, right? He's not I think so. Um, but Dershaw or, or, or the Tucker kid from USC, they should be there. And I think it just makes too much sense for them not to take one of those. You know, this is the time just to play it straight, get your defense in in the second round, third round if you have to. Um, but if you did that, I think people would say, okay, you feel better about it, and then maybe there is another move, although I don't know the money situation if, they, if they're going to have it to be able to make another significant move for a veteran on. But, but you know, who knows, maybe they will. Um then you feel like, okay, it's moving. It's going to be better. The, the offensive line is going to be better. And so, um, but but it's, you know, if, if if it's not, if it's another defensive player in the first round, you know, you're going to be scratching your head like, when are they ever, you know, do they not see this in the same light that everyone else is? Um, yeah, it, it, but it, I think a lot of it to me, though, is, and I would love to, you know, Zimmer always talks around when you ask him just kind of, what is the plan at left tackle if it's going to be O'Neal or something? And, you know, that to me is the, the key piece of this whole thing, right? Folks, the football offseason is off and rolling, and Soda Stick has you covered with Minnesota sports-themed gear. Some of my favorite football designs that you have to check out include the Chuck Foreman Spin Doctor gear. You can commemorate Randy Moss's disgusting act on a shirt or a hoodie. And if you're old school, check out the Purple People Eaters design as well. Go to SodaStick.com and check them all out. If you use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER, you can get free shipping on all your Minnesota sports-inspired gear. All of their apparel is screen printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. Plus, keep your eyes and ears out for our giveaways going on on this show as well on social media. Follow them at SodaStickCo on Twitter and at SodaStick.com for your original Minnesota sports inspired goods. Code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. Hey everyone, I want to tell you about our friends at Scout Logistics, and I really do mean it when I say friends. They are fans of Purple Insider over at Scout Logistics, and since they reached out wanting to support this show, I want to tell you about what they do. Scout Logistics is just-in-time transportation for full tractor-trailer loads, and if you're wondering what that means exactly... 
Well, if you own or work for a company that needs shipping solutions, they are the preferred carrier of Fortune 500 companies across North America, and we have quite a few of those in Minnesota, right? They can ship perishable, non-perishable, FTL or LTL, and they have on-time delivery rate of over 99%. So, if you're like them and you enjoy the show and you have shipping needs, check out ScoutLogistics.com or call 855-217-2688, extension 232, to connect with them directly to find out how Scout Logistics can minimize risk and overperform and go the extra mile for your company. Who's playing left tackle is not a place you want to be before draft time, in my opinion. And I'm sure they know, right? I mean, I'm sure they have their plan that, hey, you know, Brian O'Neill is going to be our left tackle and probably already communicated with them, if it, if it is, if that's the plan. But, I mean, it's not like they're just winging it. You know, it's like, well, let's see who's there. When we- Are you sure? With this team in the offensive line, are you sure they're not just winging? Maybe they are. Maybe they are. I don't think they're just winging it at corner or linebacker. No. Well, but. <laughs> hey, with the uh, with the Gladney situation, does that mean they need another corner now? Possibly. I, I have certainly there. I have brought that up. You might get the best corner on the board. I'm just saying. I wouldn't even. I'll tell you the truth. I wouldn't even be against it. Like corner is so important in this defense. Yeah. I wouldn't even be against it. And I do think they have enough money to still bring in a guard. It's just that all the guards have kind of gone off the board. And there was one guy left, Austin Blythe, who we looked at and went, well, maybe he could be yeah. an actual improvement. And then he signs with Kansas City. So we're kind of in that spot again where we're going. Yeah, they still have enough cap space to get some. One, but who exactly, unless they're making a trade or, or a surprising late signing? Is Jake Long still around? I think probably <laughs> is. You know, do, do you know what I was going to ask you? And this is like a classic Uh-oh. Vikings conversation. The, the classic Viking conversation is I have a topic I want to talk about, but man, the offensive line. Am I right? I know. Like, that's just... I know. <laughs> well, it's, it's like it's been like a three year thing or longer, but the entire time I've lived here. It's been a yeah. thing. They have not had – really, 2017 is the only decent line, and I wouldn't call it great, since I've lived here, Chip. Yeah, and we were I talking about this. this. You know, back when the – when Childress was here, I mean, you think about – they went out and got Steve Hutchinson and spent so much money to get – you know, they had the poison pill. And, and, you know, really, that line, as much as we – you know, Bryant McKinney kind of drove us crazy sometimes. When he decided to be good, he was good. And – you know, and, and Burke and then John Sullivan at center and Phil Lodeholt, I thought was a, you know, above average right tackle. I don't think he never made a Pro Bowl, Phil, did he? I don't think so. But, but he was so. good. He was good, though. Right tackle. Anthony Herrera, I thought was a good guard. I mean, they, they invested in that position. And I think it really was something that they um, saw as a critical component to what they were doing is like spend money. The money they gave Steve Hutchinson at the time was, you know, and so, yeah, it's funny how it's just kind of – I don't. it's not fair to say it's become an afterthought because they have, you know, Brian O'Neill, Cleveland, Bradbury. Now we can argue whether they picked the right guys in some of those situations. Um, not O'Neill, obviously, but um, – but so it's not been an afterthought. But it's just you want to – it just hasn't paid – you know, it hasn't been paid the same urgency or attention as, as other areas, obviously. It, it, 
it has been a money afterthought. They have ranked 32nd in the league every year in offensive line spending since Kirk Cousins has been here. So that kind wow. of tells yeah, that kind of tells you about that. And drafting them, they have drafted them high, but they haven't drafted them low. It's like they haven't taken a bunch of different swings at guys in the middle rounds for guards. Drew Samia and like what, Willie Beavers are the only guys that they've yeah. taken is just the mid rounds, Colby Gossett, I think. But there are other teams that look at it and say, you know what, maybe that long snapper we'll find in free agency <laughs> and we'll just we'll just draft, we'll take shots. And they did a little bit of that with like Kyle Hinton, but I think there were plenty of opportunities throughout the years to draft just shots at guys. Guard is a classic position where you draft a guy in the fifth and he becomes good. Right? Yeah. I don't know. I was going to say third or fourth. That's where you yeah. get it, right? I mean, you find right. those guys and, and, and they, you know, they turn into good, solid quality starters for you. Here's what I was going to ask you. Cause now oh, you still have right, to answer. Let's go. I was looking at some draft picks from the past mm-hmm. and I just wanted to ask you if you thought they turned out to be good draft picks. And Percy Harvin is on my list. Like, was Percy Harvin a – now, he's a great player, but was it a win draft pick for the Vikings because he never turned out to be exactly what he had for talent? I would say – I'm still going to say yes because I think obviously the migraines, obviously the injuries, obviously the personality – would 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 make you say no, um, but man, was he a difference maker as a talent on the field? And I think you got a. Did you get enough? I, I say, I mean, he changed your offense. I thought. Um, obviously, you would you would like to have him for a longer stretch, um, and then it would be an obvious answer. But I still say yes, as as complicated as his time was here. Um, I still think the dynamic skill set that he brought was worth the draft pick. He was one of the most fun players I think I've ever seen. And I just wish it, it went on longer. It's, it's kind of, that's the, yeah. You know, I mean, it goes under it, the category of kind of sad. And Matthew, I remember the, the first, you know, they'd always do the draft and then they had like a, a mini camp afterwards. And it wasn't the rookie mini camp, but it might've been a rookie or, or, um, the, when the when the veterans came to, and I remember standing there by Kevin Seifert, who was at ESPN at the time, or still is, he was out there, and it was like the first practice we got to see him, and Percy was running around doing things, and we were just like, whoa, this is different. I mean, this is, it, it was, it reminded me of Adrian, just how, just natural, God-given ability and athleticism could do things that not everyone else does. Percy was just special, and. Like when you watch him, and it was like, yes, it's like, holy cow, this guy is unique and really good. And so that's why I say, yeah, it's, it, I mean, it gives you pause because of all the other, all the other stuff and how it, you know, it ended. And, but I still think um, that's a win. Do you think Cordero Patterson was a good draft pick? They took him last pick of the draft or first round, right? Uh, or, maybe 29th. 29th or less. Let me look. Um, I would say no because I don't know – and not that – I say no because I don't know that he was ever – and I don't know that anyone has really been able to unlock him as a player. Um, Chicago probably has to a larger degree, right? Maybe that's because he's mature. New England did. Yeah. New England, yeah. So I don't know that it was ever given the chance to become the player that he could be. 
Um, obviously, you know, all timer as, as a kick returner and just what he does there. But um, you would have liked to see more than just a crazy kick returner. Like just, and we saw flashes of it, but just not enough sustained. And so I would say, and I say no, but not as a fault of his necessarily. And it's not to say he doesn't have some ownership on that too, but um, just for whatever reason, just never really unlocked it. Yeah, I think that um, when you have to say, well, they didn't do X, Y, or Z to help the guy, that sort of makes you pause to say whether it was a good draft pick. Because really, if he had been, and, and this comes from like president of the, you should have used Cordero different fan club. But sure. like, but if you have to work around a bunch of different shortcomings, then it might not have been a great pick. I just think yeah. it's an interesting question because you drafted the best kick returner ever at 29th overall who gave you a lot of touchdowns that way. And you just think if you'd use them a few more jet sweeps and screens and, you know, maybe you get a little bit more out of them and probably, and even Zimmer admitted that, but probably even if you re-sign him for, I don't know, a two or three year deal, you have him in 2017, 18, he's a hell of a lot more helpful than Laquan Treadwell is. And and maybe they have some regret there. Yeah. And, 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 you know, maybe it was just always going to take him a little time to figure out uh, the receiving component of it and to be a guy that they could use in different situations. I mean, obviously the kick returner was off the charts from the from the jump, but um, and I don't know who if you're, if you're doing the sign in the blame. Is it how much does Cordero get? How much does the coaching staff get? How much does the play caller get? And not figuring out, hey, you got this really gifted player who has some unique skill sets and not being able to draw more out of it. And, and how much is that player versus the coaching on that? I don't know. Well, I think that Mike Zimmer admitting that they misused him was kind of a jab at Norv Turner, but I think sure. it was Norv Turner's fault because Bill Musgrave was using him in a lot of different ways and he was scoring touchdowns and making exciting plays. And then they just said, no, Stop. we yeah. we'd rather have, what was his name? Charles Johnson. Like <laughs> that's who you'd rather have than work around the yeah. shortcomings of Cordero Patterson and be creative. So yeah, I, I always have trouble blaming Cordero for sort of being himself. And when you draft someone 29th, that's not fifth. Like we treat, yeah, all exactly. first, yeah. you know, we treat all first round picks like, Oh, well you're a first rounder. You should be perfect. But the 29th, I think, I think it was a good pick. They just never got as much out of it as they really should have. Sure, and and I know Zimmer probably you know said they should have used them more. And we we say it's the offense coordinator, but you're the head coach, right? You can get you can get what you want, you know. Yeah. You can you can march down the office and say get him the ball, right? So last one, Anthony Barr is a good pick. Mm. Where did they take him again? Dramatic pause. Thank you, Chip. Uh, let's see. Let me just scroll up here. He was ninth overall. God, these are tough, Matthew. Um, I'm a professional. I do this all day. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, don't know how to answer that one. I would say it's tough because he has given you. It's funny. I, I was talking to somebody who talked to some players this year and they all talked about the absence of not having bar with that defense last year and how smart he is and how good he is at getting people lined up. So I think inside the, the, the facility and locker room, he's, 
incredibly well respected for his IQ, his football IQ, and just knowing the game. And it hasn't really, you know, the, we had the one year where he just had a bunch of splash plays, right? You know, just stood out. And you're like, wow, this guy is pretty phenomenal. And then there's been years where it's like he doesn't really do much, you know. Um, I will say yes with a long dramatic pause, as you said. <laughs> um, Very dramatic. I don't know that I – but in saying that, in saying that, and this might be hypocritical, I don't know that I would have brought him back when he changed his mind that two years ago. I think I would have put that money elsewhere. So I'm probably being hypocritical with that. I'm probably talking out of both sides of my mouth. I think that what makes it hard is that there are up and down years in terms yes. of when you feel like watching the game, he's making an impact. And what Zimmer will tell you is that, look, if you watch it back on tape, you'll see a lot of times where he makes an impact, but it doesn't have to do with the football. Like it's yes. where a quarterback didn't throw the ball, which they don't count on pro football focus where they didn't throw the ball. They only count where they did. Right. So I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, sorry to interrupt you, but I think there are – and this is not to give an excuse, but I think there are things that he does that we don't know about, that they know about. Yes, I agree. I also think that when you draft that position in the top ten, you are yes. looking for Luke Keekley. Like you're looking for someone yeah. who – I mean, and he's made Pro Bowls, and that's the other part of it that's hard too is he's made Pro Bowls in years where we've gone, are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's a hard metric to go by too. Plus with his size and speed and skill set, just when you look at him, you're like, this guy should dominate a game when you look at him physically. Yes. And there are times where – there have been games where you felt like he has dominated a game, and, but then there's times where he does not. Um, and so I don't know. Do you think it's a win? Mm, dramatic pause for me too. I think it was a win as a, as a ninth overall draft pick, but only by, only by a little. But when you are a top linebacker on a team that was a number one defense and also a number five overall defense, whatever, like you've been great defenses and you are a centerpiece to that. You are a key part of that. Uh, yeah, I think that that is a victory. It's not a decided home run. You hit it all the way over the stadium, Barry yeah. Bond style home run. But I, th I think it's like a double. I think you did well there. It's just that what's going to always shape the conversation is, yeah, that contract though. That contract that they brought him back on though. Yeah, well, that, that's the thing. It's like if this is if this was his last year this year, or even like if he doesn't play again, would you look back and say, man, he had a great Vikings career? Probably not. I'd probably say like he was good. He was a good. Player. He had pretty pretty good. Yeah, he had yeah. pretty good. He was a pretty good player. And then you say, well, he was drafted ninth overall, and you saw that you thought he was going to be. You thought he was going to be just a superstar, and it hasn't for different reasons. Um, Guy you'd rather have on your team than not. Like yeah. you'd rather we saw you'd rather have him than Eric Wilson, who's okay, mm -hmm. but not as yeah. good as Anthony Barr. So no question there. But not not one. He's where, not Eric Kendricks. Right. He's not Eric Kendricks. And that's that makes it harder for him too. Because yes. the guy who is next to him is better than him. And so it's yes. like, okay, well, we see the type of impact that the other guy has. And even when you're gone, how good the other guy is. And so this whole idea that, oh, he makes Kendricks better. Well, I guess not because Kendricks was playing all pro level last year. So yeah, there's that, there's that, there's a little push and pull here, but I think the answer is slightly yes. And, and then uh, wasn't Aaron Donald taken like two picks later. So you also have to forget about that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think we're in the same boat. I think most people would say that too. 
you know? I don't think anybody's going to – nobody's going to say, oh, he's been a bust. I mean, it's right. not that. But, but I think a lot of people would say when he did come back and that contract you gave him probably limited what you – your ability to improve this team in areas that were more important than there. And so I think that's part of the conversation too. By the way, before we wrap up, just want to say – the Aaron Donald thing is a reason to just draft the best player. Just draft the best yeah. player. Don't draft what yeah. you need. Just draft the best player. And mm-hmm. I, I and I think that they thought Barr was the best player at that time. So that's fine. But I'm just saying, like, th- this is when you go, I don't know. We already have a defensive tackle. Like, ah, but if he's the best guy, you just Yeah. Can't. And I, I do think with that, I think Zimmer saw him with his defense. And mm-hmm. said, this is the guy I fit in my defense that makes it. And so part of it was the head coach with his scheme and an idea of what he wants and he, he saw him, and he's like – and I think that's why Zimmer is so married to Anthony Barr. Just, you know, he knew right away, this is the guy I want in my defense, running my defense, you know. That circles back to uh, first impressions die hard, I think, with, with Mike Zimmer. So <laughs> Exactly. It's always so much fun getting together with hashtag Vikes and uh, talking football with you. We don't do it as often as we used to get to uh, do, but – I love I know. every time we can get together, man. It's been great. I know. I love doing it. Thanks for having me on, and I'll see you at the draft probably. Yeah. Uh, can't wait. Or here, virtually. Somewhere. <laughs> see you There'll virtually. Yeah, that's hey, right. day, yeah. day three conference calls, man. Oh, man. We'll be there. You're, you're, <laughs> There's you're a book to be gonna, written about those. I was going to say, you're not going to join for all 11 of them or whatever? No. no? Okay. No. All right. Well, no. can leave that to Ben and Andrew. Thanks, Chip. That's right. All right, brother. We'll see you.